On this episode, 94 Better Than 6, Mount Whitney, Star Wars, and San Diego. Welcome to the Almost There Adventure Podcast. hosts, Severia Tilden, Jeff Hester, and Jason Fitzpatrick. Welcome everyone to the Almost There Adventure podcast. Today's episode is about a big, gnarly hiking challenge. We're talking the 100 Peaks Challenge in San Diego. We are excited to have Derek Loringer with us today. He is the creator of the challenge, the man behind this horrible, horrible idea. (laughs) Um, Or the best idea in the world. And we're very excited to have Susie Kara with us, who was the first person to complete the challenge in December of 2017, and Chris Griffith, who's one of the most recent finishers. Welcome, everyone. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Great. And why don't we go around and have you each introduce yourselves? Derek, why don't we go ahead and start with you? Hi, my name is Derek Loringer, and I'm the creator of the blog 100 Peaks and ultimately the creator of the challenge. Um, I've been uh, started the blog about 2009 uh, as a way to get myself out there and actually um, start hiking again because uh, I stopped hiking for a little bit. And it was just an excuse for me to get out and explore San Diego County. I also, we should add, this is Derek's second visit to to the Almost Air Adventure podcast. He hiked the uh, Wonderland Trail with Jeff and I um, last year, which would have been 2019. So many of you might remember from that. So so welcome back, Derek. Thanks again for, for joining us. It's great to be back. Cool. Susie, why don't you give us a, let us know about what you <laughs> I'm Susie Kara, and I completed the 100 Peaks Challenge for San Diego in 2017. Um, in real life, I'm a pediatric occupational therapist, and I'm also a part-time yoga instructor. But hiking and traveling and exploring are my passions in life. And I'm very excited still about this challenge because it gave me the opportunity to explore where I live in a very intimate level. And that's what hiking is to me, on feet um, exploration. And I love it. Awesome. Thank you. Chris, go for it. So I finished the challenge in 2019 and I am in real life not a yoga instructor, but I'm actually a user experience designer for a home automation company down here in Carlsbad. And the funny thing is, I actually knew Derek in a completely different capacity before the whole hiking world. So it was a very interesting collision to basically start looking about hiking challenges and like, oh, wait, I know this Derek dude. Yeah, Chris and I knew each other from the user experience world, and we actually met years ago when I was uh, working in uh, Santa Barbara, and he was uh, recording an instructional video for lynda.com at the time. And then we also have shared people that we both know. We live pretty much in the same community down here in, in uh, northern San Diego. So, yeah, we've known each other for quite a while. Quick quick question, Chris. Do you do um, – what kind of user things do you do? Do you do like like After Effects and Photoshop and that kind of stuff? Is that your um, – Mostly Adobe XD, some Photoshop work. So right now I'm in the midst of designing the user interface for a security panel. I've done mobile apps, websites. I used to work at Qualcomm. I'm just, I think I may have seen your tutorials and I'm just now, is, is right? You do, they're quite well known in that world, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Okay. I've done a lot right. with the Ionic framework. I'm an Adobe community professional and yeah. that and $3 gets me a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Okay, that's the end of the tech nerdy stuff. We'll talk about hiking for the rest of the podcast, I swear to God. So great work on those and let's go back to hiking. Yeah, Susie's had to suffer through some of these on our hiking adventures together. Oh, Chris also likes to talk about Star Wars and um, Legos. <laughs> and uh, uh, rocket ships. A lot oh, yes, of rocket ships. rocket ships. Well, let's shift things and let's talk about Star Wars for an hour and a half. No, I'm no, fine no, with no. That. I can do that. <laughs> the that's, Star Wars that's episode. Well, within my nerddom to do that if we want to. <laughs> hey, so Derek, tell us a little bit about uh, you have the website 100peaks.com. I, I, does that like have a direct connection to the 100 Peak Challenge? And or like, how did the Hunter Peak Challenge actually 
come to be? Actually, uh, the Hunter Peaks Challenge uh, wasn't even on my radar. It was just a personal challenge for myself. And then I believe I had people like Susie and maybe Han message me and go, hey, why don't you create a challenge? You know, they probably saw that, you know, the uh, Six Pack of Peaks challenges and said, hey, why don't you make this a challenge? So really, I created an extra page and I created a challenge for, for them just to, to do it because they had a quest that they wanted to do. So I really did it for them. And you had to make it 94 better than Jeff's, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was already 100 peaks for seven years at that point. So this is in 2017. And uh, yeah, actually, it was probably 2016 when they approached me and said, hey, can we do this? We want to do it in the calendar year. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And which is, um, you know, which is why there is a distinction between Six Pack of Peaks and the Hunter Peak Challenge, because the Hunter Peak Challenge is really uh, the person who's doing it. It's their challenge. I mean, I just maintain the list. There's no official registration. If you do want to sort of contribute to anything, I do have a list of local organizations like the uh, Cuyamaca Rancho State Park uh, foundation, you know, several foundations that uh, support and promote stewardship that yeah, we highly recommend that you become members to those, but there's no, there's no transaction between the challengers and, and myself. And I just wanted to keep it that way. People message me all the time and say, Oh, can I actually do it between April and April rather than that? I'm like, yeah, make it your hike, make it whatever you want. Um, you know, sometimes they even ask me to substitute peaks and I'm like, well, if you would like to substitute the peak, that's totally fine. You know, make it make it your own. Uh, hike your own hike. Just you know, be safe while you're out there. And by Han, you mean Han Solo from Star Wars, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, are the the hundred peaks that are in the challenge are they the same hundred peaks that you originally sort of identified that you had sort of the personal goal to go hike? Yeah, my hundred peaks, my personal hundred peaks challenge uh, started with mirroring the San Diego chapter of the Sierra Clubs. Uh, 100 peak list, uh, which, you know, was the foundation of where I started. But as I started going through that list, I realized it was very heavy in Anza Borrego and a lot of off trail peaks. Um, and I thought, wow, there's tons of smaller peaks throughout the county in suburban San Diego here and there that aren't included on that list, what I thought would be fantastic peaks to do just to sort of introduce someone uh, to the different corners of, of, of San Diego. You know, some of them are coastal, some of them are in Northern California, you know, Fallbrook that weren't on the, the Sierra Club's peaks because maybe they were not prominent enough or perhaps uh, not high enough. I think most of uh, the San Diego Sierra Club's list is like over, at least over a thousand feet, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So some of them are a little smaller, but I just, I appreciated the diversity of the peaks that I chose. So I'd probably say about 80% of the peaks are about the same as their list, but I have modified it over the years uh, based on diversity of the, the peaks, as well as some of the peaks have just, um, they're not accessible anymore for various reasons. Yeah, I think, Derek, there's um, an overlap of like 69 peaks between your list and the San Diego Sierra Club list. Okay, I totally trust your judgment. <laughs> <laughs> I know because I'm I'm doing both of them and three short of the Sierra Club list, so I have those implanted in my memory. <laughs> I'm ten short, so yeah, we're both very familiar with both lists to the minutia. So, so Susie, you uh, you approached Derek and said, "Hey, what, can you make this into a some kind of like an official challenge of some sort?" It was actually, I think, Han, my good friend and the second finisher, and um, probably Rosa, Derek, that approached you in the beginning, but I was part of that cohort. Um, my personal experience was I had originally wanted to do the 52 Hike Challenge. I mean, I know you've had Carla on your podcast before, and I was inspired to look for trails um, outside of the same 10 hikes that everyone does in San Diego County. And that's when I started reading Derek's blog and, you know, became familiar with his quest and the challenge. And I thought, well, you know, 100 peaks instead of 52 peaks. I mean, that's not really that different. <laughs> it is different. And um, 
very challenging. But um, I was definitely part of that original group and, and still very good friends and hiking buddies with a lot of those people um, that kind of coerced him into taking his personal challenge public. By my calculations, it's 48 better than the 52 and 96 better than the six. So, you know, that's quite a few more. And, and just for, for the record, if you do want to hear our interview with Carla, she was in uh, our first episode, our, our very first episode of this podcast is, was uh, we interviewed Carla, Carla Amador. So check it out. So uh, part of the challenge, I guess, of this challenge is to try to do it within a within a 12 month period and 100 peaks in a 12 month period. That's 356 days or 365 days in a year. So how do you figure that out? I mean, that's a lot of that's a lot of peaks. Do you double up? Do you uh... I think the challenge in the beginning was not knowing how to group the hikes um, because there wasn't any information really about the specific set of peaks that I was going after. And since I've completed it, I've had a lot of people reach out to me on how to group and go after this logistically speaking. A lot of them are still out in Ansborego Desert State Park, but I think that those are the more challenging peaks. And if you don't have the skill set for those peaks, as in off-trail navigation, no trail navigation, spiky plants and rocks, it's going to be quite challenging. So I went after the local hikes first, the ones that Derek were talking about, um, ones that are in suburban San Diego, smaller peaks, because at the time I wasn't a very strong hiker. Uh, My hiking skills greatly improved over the course of the year. And Chris has a little bit different experience and I'm sure he'll want to add to that. So for me, it was... I've almost actually done the challenge twice. So I stumbled on the challenge in April of 2017 after finishing the Mission Trails Five Peak Challenge. So I was like, hmm, what else is there to do? I'm really liking this hiking thing. And that's when I also discovered, you know, Derek's list, like, hey, let's go at it. And since it was already late April, that Anzo Borrego Desert problem existed. So there's no way I was going to do it within the calendar year. So I'm like, let's just, you know, it's our challenge. I'm going to try to see if I can do it within 12 months. I actually got hit with a couple injuries. So I actually was shooting for two years. I actually herniated two discs in my neck and a whole bunch of other fun things. And I got fairly close, closing in on the two-year mark, and realized the desert season was going to close down once again. So I actually did a reboot. So I was sitting at about 85 peaks done at that time. So then I said, you know what? Life has given me an opportunity to actually try this challenge in the strictest fashion to do it in a calendar year. So I looked at what I had done in 2019 and go, hey, I can do this. But, I have all, but I've already gained a lot of intel of, hey, I can group these peaks together. Some of them are really, really short, and that's where a lot of the planning logistics. So I kind of think a lot of people who are following Susie, Han, and myself can kind of look at our trip reports and realize, oh, wait, those are next-door neighbor peaks. I should do them together rather than one by one, because I certainly was guilty the first sort of pass through this of doing the same thing. It's like, oh, I went out and did Sheephead. Wait, Manza Benchmark is three miles down the road, and I can do that in the same day. So the second time around, you know, it does, it is a lot. And there's a lot of planning logistics that has to go into the whole thing. And that's sort of something you have to learn and grow with and understand in attempting this challenge. Because like Susie was saying, the Anza Varego stuff, you know, there's no trail. There's, you know, when you sign in like, oh, look, someone was here, you know, nine months ago on the peak register. That will uh, stretch your limits and your capabilities. What's the most number of peaks that you've been able to combine in a single day? I think I did four. Okay. Susie, how about you? I was a little bit more haphazard in my approach um, at the time. I would usually go out and do, I think, three or four at the most. But I work full time and I was doing a lot of them. I would drive an hour and a half after work to do a sunset hike. Seriously, one, one peak because I was really determined to finish this challenge in the time that I had. 
were you always loving it when you're like, wow, I have to hike? Say you're like 30 in, you're tired, you got 70 more. Were, were you always excited about it or were you able to do it? Or were there times where it kind of felt like, oh man, this is this is treachery? I mean, were you able to kind of keep your love level of hiking throughout the whole experience? I think so. Um, just naturally, given the climate of Southern California, I didn't hike for probably two months in the summer. I traveled internationally and I did other hikes in other places, but San Diego is pretty limited in what's available during the summer. So I sort of had a little bit of time off that. And then once I went back at it in September, it was really a, a hard push to finish before the end of the year. Uh, I've since grown in my craziness. I, I hike daily now, seriously. So when I look back on my ability to do the 100 Peaks Challenge, like I've probably done 200 hikes already this year. Wow. And for me, yeah, I I never really lost the joy. There were a a couple of peaks that were painful and disheartening, but never really lost the overall joy. Give us some names. We want to know. We want names. What are the painful ones? So, Oh, there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is it Indian Head? Uh, No, not really. Yes, Chris, Indian Head. Indian Head was disappointing with the heat. Um, but it was very, a lot of fun, uh, doing it again with, with Greg Gerlach. No, the, on a the, side note, I took, or I went with Chris on his first attempt of Indian head and we had to turn back when we got to the top of the ridge, which is a hard hike because it was very hot. Um, that was in early April. Yeah, actually that one actually caused me to, to start the reboot at that point. Cause I think it was down like four peaks left, but they're all ends of Borrego. I'm like, Nope, the furnace is on, and we are now done with the desert. Now, for me, the, the one that really sort of forced me to question my, my sanity and my ability was a peak out in Anzabrigo called Square Top. And Derek's actually removed it from the, the, the list. So future 100 peakers don't have to do it. However, if you're doing a Sierra Club list, it's still there. So you didn't get a full pass on it. Um, yeah, what, uh, what happened with a square top is that there was a reasonable approach from the south, which was on uh, Indian Reservation, and they have since closed that access. So the only way was to come from the north, which was uh, basically going up a drainage uh, with no trail, um, straight up a drainage, uh, which uh, I can only imagine how challenging that must have been. So yeah, I, I've removed it specifically for that reason, because it's this isn't meant to be dangerous and it isn't meant to uh, be too risky. And I myself had a hard time on square top. That was one of my last peaks. I was able to approach it from Los Coyotes uh, and I took my dad with me and he wasn't able to make it to the summit because it's, it's a lot of bouldering. It's very overgrown. There's no trail. Um, and I got lost. Uh, everything failed me when I, exited the hike and we drove to Santa Isabel. There's a little grocery store there, Don's. I went in to use the restroom. I looked like I got into a fight with a cat and I lost. My clothes were shredded. Um, But on the plus side, my dad bought me one of those GPS uh, Garmin spot beacons in reach because he was so worried about the kind of uh, quote unquote hiking I was doing at that point. (laughs) So out of curiosity, do, do you guys now, do you two now hate Derek? Or are you still okay with Derek? Has Derek ruined your lives, or, or do you look at Derek as an inspiration? Oh, well, we I mean, love Derek. We we love Derek, even though he hasn't finished. You know, he he does serve a mean burger. <laughs> yes, in all full disclosure, I have not done all 100 peaks. And what happened was in 2011, I got a job in Santa Barbara, which took me away from San Diego. Um, and I was there for three years. And then at the end of that, we decided to open a restaurant back in San Diego, actually in Escondido here. So, um, once you open a restaurant, it's really hard to get out and hike consistently all the time. It just doesn't happen. And then I also evolved as well. I started focusing on more backpacking trips, more day hikes with my daughter, more kind of easy overnight backpacking trips with my daughter. So, um, my focus has really shift, uh, shifted. That being said, I've made a personal goal to finish the peaks by the end of this year. Aha. Excellent. I, think cool. I have like 19 or 18 left uh, on the list to do. Awesome. awesome. And, Derek, and, and Derek was kind enough to actually come with me on my 100th. So 
on oh, one cool. of my not so favorite peaks, which is <laughs> El Cajon yeah. Mountain, up uphill both ways. No, hardest follow. hike in San Diego, Derek. Don't you? Oh know? yeah, it's the hardest. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of an inside joke on uh, on on Facebook. A lot of people are are saying like El Cajon Mountain is the hardest peak in San Diego, and it's it's not. It's challenging. There's a trail going all the way to the top. There's signage and everything. Anybody who said that has not been out in Anzabrego hiking any of those peaks. Because the stuff out there blows it out of the water in terms of of terrain and and everything much more technical navigation that kind of thing yeah and then here's a follow-up question for for derek um i kid a lot but you are one of the nicest people i've ever met probably if not the nicest person you're on the short list um how does somebody so nice and kind create something so difficult challenging and painful um i guess i'm not kind to myself because it was originally uh aimed towards me to to do it um but yeah, I, like I said, I was kind of pushed into it. Um, I thought that it's technically possible. And one thing I really wanted to do is inspire people to go outside. I've had a lot of interesting questions from people wanting to do the challenge, which led me to believe that they probably shouldn't be doing the challenge. Um, like, how do you group them? Or where is this peak? And, you know, stuff like that. I really encourage people to do the research to start with the easy peaks. Like Susie said, you know, start with the the suburban peaks that ha that are well signed. Um, get your get your experience up, get your abilities up before you start tackling the bigger ones. And when you start going in Anzabrego, you know, do one of the ones that has a trail to it. Start to understand what it's like to, you know, wake up at three o'clock in the morning and drive out to the desert just so you can get your hike in and be on the way down as the sun comes up uh, rather than, you know, showing up at the trailhead at noon with, you know, a 16 ounce bottle of water and thinking you're going to tackle a, a peak out in the desert. So, um, you know, my goal was to get people slowly involved and people to start planning to really understand uh, mapping and navigation and all that. So it wasn't really designed to torture people. It was to, you know, introduce them to the incredible diversity of San Diego County. And actually to sort of dovetail on that, you know, I've taken some friends along on hikes I felt that were, you know, accommodating to various skill levels. And almost every single one of them afterwards like, I never knew about this part of San Diego. That was so beautiful and so wonderful. I'm like, you know what, that is definitely the spirit of this whole challenge is going out and seeing, you know, oh my gosh, I never knew this, you know, Ranchita, where's that? What's this area? What are all these peaks out here? And, you know, and that's been the real, a lot of the beauty and the excitement of the whole challenge. I agree. Right. And I don't think a lot of people know that San Diego County is the most biologically diverse county in the lower 48. I mean, we've got a ton of stuff. We have this amazing desert and these kind of short but awesome mountains. And then we have coastal ocean we've got 200 canyons and mesas in the in the center and the bulk of our city i mean it's just a really amazing place to explore i grew up here born and raised and i hadn't done any of this i didn't know any of this before i started this challenge yeah one of the um one of the most frequent questions i get you know i'm named 100 peaks and they ask me are there actually 100 peaks in san diego you know, are there actually mountains in San Diego? And, you know, when I say, oh, yeah, you go out to, you know, Cuyamaca or Mount Laguna, they're like, where? And it's like, these are people that have lived here their entire lives and never explored, you know, two hours down down the highway. So um, I've gotten a lot of feedback over the years that people said, yeah, thank you for introducing me to San Diego because I never even knew any of this existed. And there's not just 100 peaks. There's actually 591 um, mm -hmm. specific prominent peaks in San Diego County. A lot of them have uh, private property and access issues, but I think Derek's combination of hikes is just an amazing introduction to what life is about here. Susie and Chris, did you meet through the challenge? Yes. So I was, I can actually remember, I had attempted to hike up Shug Peak, which is out in Cuyamacas. There's a <laughs> no trail. Um, it's was Susie's least favorite hike, and then she sort of changed her mind about it. And I've now done it five times, so. <laughs> and we may go do it again soon, but that's another story. Um, and I 
didn't make a summit, had no clue. I'm like, hey, Susie, you had done it. Give me some pointers. We met online. It's like, oh, I'll come out and do it with you. And at that point, you know, we became good friends and hiking buddies. So we've been hiking on and on since what, about 2018 or so. So we've shared quite a few adventures together. Awesome. Yes, um, Derek's original challenge, you were supposed to put a picture of yourself, a selfie on his Facebook page on each summit. So there'd be eventually 100 pictures. And I think in the beginning, the group of us that were core doing this followed that pretty religiously. And in that, got to know each other a lot. Small hiking community developed from this. And after I finished, I get a lot of messages, probably similar to Derek. He probably gets more actually on Facebook and Facebook Messenger, just asking me questions about the hikes, how to approach it, if I'll hike with them. And yeah, Chris was one of those guys and, and I did hike with them and here we are now. That's awesome. Yeah. And I didn't meet Susie until she completed it. And, uh, I had made some uh, patches for uh, completion and I wanted to get it uh, to her and Han. So, you know, she came into the restaurant and we had a little like mini finishers party. That was, that was pretty fun just to kind of yeah. relive some of the stories and share, share some of the peaks and everything. And, uh, you know, and to date, okay. So it started in 2017, it's 2020. Now we've only had four finishers. Um, 2018 had zero finishers. Uh, 2017 had two and that was Susie and Han. And then uh, 2019 had Chris. And then just recently, oh man, I'm trying to, I, I remember Alberto his, finished, yes. but not within a calendar year. Yeah, not within a calendar year. You know, and he was one messaging me, messaging me um, you know, is, is this okay? And I'm like, yeah, make it your own challenge. You know, it's totally okay. Um, you're going to deserve a patch if you finish these 100 peaks uh, within a reasonable amount of time. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's not for everybody. And I definitely put that on my introduction page to the challenge. Like, this is not meant to be easy. I'm not going to spoon feed you uh, how to get to all the peaks. You're going to have to do your research. You're going to have to be prepared. Um, uh, and there's a whole list of, you know, safety uh, precautions and kind of what you need to do to be able to, to do this. So that's kind of a testament to the the challenge of this, you know, that it is so difficult that you only have, you know, four people so far who've completed it. And you have a few that are on track to finish it this year, right? Yeah, there's, uh, uh, I'm not sure if they're mother and daughter or their sisters, but yeah, there's uh, two women that are doing it together and they are just flying through it. Uh, I think they may have paused a little bit once COVID came, um, but they are flying through it. And I've had a lot of people over the last few years get up to maybe 30 or 40 and then I just never hear from them again. And they may have just, you know, life happens, stuff happens, and it's really hard to commit to, you know, getting this done in a calendar year. Oh, for sure. I mean, a hundred peaks, hundred hikes in a year is a you know kind of a commitment. You know, it's uh, you know if you're trying to ro open a restaurant, that's not probably not possible. So, <laughs> yeah, I struggle to get six done every year because it's because of Jeff. <laughs> that's Jeff's fault. So hundred. I, I don't oh, believe. No you. way. I don't. No. I don't believe. You. <laughs> Susie, what was your ins your original inspiration for starting the challenge? And were you a big hiker before the challenge? It's quite interesting. I was not a big hiker before the challenge. I think a year prior, I was a big road race runner and my brother had given me hiking boots for Christmas and I opened the box and I was like, what are these? I don't do that. Um, and he's like, yeah, I think, you know, you should start hiking. Like you want to hike Mount Whitney is because he wanted a partner to hike Mount Whitney with. And the first hike he took me out on um, was Santiago Peak in Orange County. I wore trouser socks and my brand new hiking boots. And I can say that I was incredibly miserable at the end of that 17 miles, but then also thrilled, uh, you know, my mind just was opened up to the beauty of hiking and, and nature, which is now my lifeline in my therapy, really. So he was living in Orange County at the time, my brother, and we started doing the harder peaks in Orange County and in Los Angeles, you know, Baldy and San Bernardino, Cucamonga Peak and Gagornio. And really, uh, the year 2017, I was looking for a way to have that experience closer to home. 
And I think a lot of Southern California hikers, uh, this ties into the six pack of peaks. We think we have to go to those, the original six, right? Gagornio, Jacinto, Wilson, Baldy, to find a hard and challenging experience. And I was looking for that closer to home. So I found it, uh, I think a thousand fold, the, the stuff that was part of this challenge, I think it's harder than the stuff in the Sierra Nevada. It's just, it's different and it's very challenging. And what skills, like, did you take a navigation class for some of the stuff that is a little bit more challenging and may, you know, as Derek said, some of it's not for the faint of heart. Um, what did you do to sort of help educate yourself and get the skills to be able to do so safely? Yes, I did. I did take a navigation course, but honestly, I learned a lot from fellow hikers. I started out, like I said earlier, with the easy suburban hikes that I could do after work in an hour. And then when it got towards the point that I'm like, okay, I've done 60 of these, oh, 30 of them are in the desert. I need to start learning those skills. And just given the nature of it, I, I did a lot of them on my own. And I know that there's different opinions on females hiking by themselves, but I feel very confident in that with the skills that I developed along the way that I was able to do that. But I think a lot of the skills I needed was uh, map and compass, off trail navigation. I'm deathly afraid of falling and Chris has seen me cry in, in certain exposed rock scrambles and there's a lot of that. Uh, class two and class three bouldering, I just had to push my way through it. And like I said, I learned a lot from taking a map and compass course, but also in practical application, the hiking community surrounding me. I've met some amazing hikers with a lot of knowledge to share. And I'm very thankful for that. Very cool. And Chris, what about you? Completely sort of self-taught, never have taken a course and, and it really was finding the hikes that would allow me to safely just push forward just a little bit. I mean, the joke I have is the only time I'm a conservative is when I'm hiking and kayaking. So that's where I really do a lot of homework and a lot of preparation before I head out. Peakbagger.com, I am reading trip report after trip report looking for nuggets, reading other blogs. You start to you know, learn and recognize people in the community. It's like, oh, wait, Keith Winston, you know, Iron Hiker. Oh, okay. I can trust what he's writing. He's a stronger hiker, so I'm going to add a little bit more time. Do things like that once you start to understand like the physical differences and speed between people. So there's a, a lot of that that went on. And, you know, sometimes there were some some dumb luck and mistakes along the way. Um, but you know, just kind of roll from there. I think a lot of it, you know, in order to do a hundred, you have to, in some ways also map out your, your learning and growth path because yeah, the, the desert is a completely different beast. It's a very different kind of hiking that, you know, most people are doing the six pack of peak challenge you know, that's a completely alien world to them. But there's some no trail stuff or low trail stuff in our foothills. So those are some, you know, easier ways like, okay, I'm just kind of following this topo map and away we go. I'll have to piggyback on the Peak Bagger, which is my favorite app ever. When I was doing research for this project, other than Derek's blog, and as we already said, he hadn't completed all of the hikes, uh, it was really hard to find current information in any shape or form. Scott had just come out with his book that, uh, that year in 2017, which covered a lot, but not all of it. And peakbagger.com and the app that goes along with it it's crowdsourcing similar to all trails, but the difference is the quality of people that are using this app. And I've met amazing hikers through that as well. 
We should say that's Scott Turner. You're, you're, you're talking about his book. For our listeners, he was our guest on the previous episode of the podcast. Um, just, just so you're clear, you can listen to that or look up his information in the show notes. Um, one of the cool thing, like I'm hearing about this and a little pat on the back to both Derek and Jeff is like creating these hiking communities and how helpful like hiking communities are. You don't know where to hike. You don't know how to hike. You don't know how to do whatever. Generally speaking, there is a nice community out there for you that you can, you know, you can hit up and, and ask people questions. And usually you'll get maybe multiple answers. Some people might disagree but you'll get answers and, and, and you know there are a lot of help and definitely uh, the community is uh, bigger and stronger now there's also a, a signal to noise ratio that might be challenging sometimes when trying to get uh, correct data on a trail in 2009 when I started there was hardly anything out there at all regarding these peaks I had to go in and look at trip reports from like 1985 from the Sierra Club in order to find how to get to the peak and not knowing if that was updated or not was just something I had to figure out. So I, all trails didn't exist. Like social media didn't really, well, it was in its infancy uh, back then, but there wasn't a lot of information. I had to do a ton of research. Uh, the early version of A Foot in the Field was out. So that was good for, like Susie said, a very decent portion of those peaks. But a lot of them were just simply not out there. And sometimes I would just look at, a, uh, a word on a map like Sunshine Mountain um, in Cleveland National Forest out there that just looked like an interesting place to go. And I had to look at satellite images and see that, okay, there's a faint ranch road that goes there, but then disappears and then you have to bushwhack the rest. But, you know, it was mostly like that is let's just safely explore uh, take my time, do as much research as I possibly can and see if it's possible to get to those peaks. So that's how it was for the first few years. And now you can pull up an app, which happens a lot. People will just uh, navigate to a trailhead without even doing any research, pull up the app and go, okay, I'm going to follow somebody else's um, uh, trail or what's the word I'm looking for? Track there. Yeah. Track. Yeah. yeah. Follow somebody else's track. And then without even really understanding where they're going if it's going to be uphill part way or it's going to be undulating or you know and that's how they get lost when suddenly their their phone runs out of a battery and they have no idea where they are so uh, what i really wanted to do with this trip is uh, with this challenge is to uh, get people to do that research first before they go out there and not just show up at a trailhead with an, an app in their hand yeah, I think, Derek, we we had a similar experience because I think you started 100peaks.com about the same time I started SoCal Hiker, or maybe a little bit before. And uh, at the time, there wasn't a lot of online beta for trails in our respective areas. And, um, you know, there wasn't apps like All Trails or Gaia GPS or, you know, those kinds of things. And finding good information involved looking at guidebooks, which are awesome. But oftentimes that's not enough. You know, it's got a simple line diagram and maybe one or two photos, but not a lot of, you know, information. So then you got to start looking at maps and, and look really, you know, diving into the topo maps and finding that out. And then you have to go just explore and, you know, having the skill set that you need to, to do that safely and, and learn more. And I think that's one of the things that's lost a lot of times today is today with um you know people seeing a beautiful photo on instagram and chasing that same you know they want to grab the same photo and they don't know what they're getting into so um my hat's off to you derek i think that's a great thing to help people level up their skill set and be a little smarter and a little more you know skilled in how they explore and uh, and bag some of these peaks yeah, and one of my ulterior motives is also get people to get people to fall in love with the land itself, and understand that perhaps you know uh, there were nations that lived here before we got here, um, and understand that you know it was taken away from them, and understand that they are actually still here. They're still in reservations, and um, to become stewards of this land, to you know donate to the cause, to go on trash trash cleanups. That's kind of my major ulterior motive to all this is get people to love it as, as, as much as I do and truly understand uh, where you're going when you're out on the trail. 
Do you guys have sort of favorite regions or favorite areas? Like, do, yeah, I'm not going to make you pick your favorite hikes. If you have one, that's fine. But what is your favorite areas? Do you like the long drives and going out to say on Zabrego? Do you like the closer stuff? What has what kind of come up as your favorite places to hike or your favorite types of hikes, you know, in, in the challenge? For me, it's the Anzabrego Desert State Park, 100%. I don't mind driving hours for a day hike even, and that changed with this challenge. Uh, it's out of this world. I don't think there's another place like it on Earth. And the stuff you see, it's truly nature's sculpture out there. Uh, I love it. I got to concur. I, I have so fallen in love with Anzabrego as well. It is... So unlike all the hiking, like I grew up, my parents had a cabin in the Southern Sierras. So I grew up in the high mountains. I'm a native Californian too. So I'm used to the pine trees and the granite and all of that. We would go out to, you know, Red Rock State Park a little bit here and there. So I saw the desert a little bit. Anza Borrego is just so beautiful. There's, and it's so vast and so varied. And you know, for me, like one of my favorite memories was I was setting off to do Villager Peak by myself. And I pulled in the trailhead like, you know, four in the morning, you know, which meant, you know, waking up in San Diego, probably, you know, one thirty in the drive and just getting out there. And once the eyes sort of adjusted, just looking up at that starry sky, I actually had like, you know, do I just want to stay here for an hour and just look at the night sky that's just so beautiful out here? Or do I want to walk? And I decided to walk, but it was hard. So, but it is such a beautiful place out there. Yeah, no, it, it really is a, a gorgeous place. Uh, Derek and I did a little uh, at the Super Bloom. Was that two years ago, Derek? We did a, like, we drove around and kind of explored a lot. I, you know, I have yet to check out the real high country up there, other than just driving up the road through the pass. I want to do a hike up there and see some of the really high peaks in the lesser known places. But it is a stunning place. And I believe the largest um, state park in, in the country, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think it's easy to get lost there. I've heard that, Derek. Is it is it easy to get lost in Anzabarega? <laughs> um, only when you're hiking with other people and you get distracted. Uh -huh. I've, I've never been lost on my own. I've only been lost on like two hikes and both of them were with other people. Yeah, I was one and I happened to be one of them. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> but, you know, we ended up figuring out where we were and we, we got to where we wanted to go. We only made three wrong turns and almost lost a, 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 a fellow hiker on the way as well. Yeah. Who had never hiked in the <laughs> desert before. No man left, be no hiker left behind, right? That's our policy. There is something about that peak that causes people to get lost. Yeah, I think Which one was it? It's Whale Peak. Whale. Whale Peak, yeah. It's just yeah, all the Derek, I made the same mistake on the descent. <laughs> I took the wrong turn, too. And then I read your blog again afterward. I was like, yeah, I did that also. So. <laughs> yeah, I do love Anzabrego as well. I think it's amazing. It's definitely a gem of San Diego County. But my absolute favorite place in San Diego County is the area of Cleveland National Forest, south of Wynola, where Eagle Peak is and Sunshine Mountain. And what I love about it so much is that as long as you stay away from the waterfalls, you will have that place to yourself as long as it's outside of hunting season. So I've had some wonderful hikes out there where I'm just hiking on an old ranch road or, you know, just bushwhacking up to a, a peak or I get into this beautiful meadow, which, you know, nobody goes to and you can have the whole place to yourself. It's beautiful grasslands and oaks. And I've seen, you know, turkey and deer and a lot of turkey vultures flying around and red-tailed hawks. And it's just, it's in a beautiful part of the county that, you know, people only kind of see out of their window on the way to the waterfall. Um, and if you take the time to go out there, it's absolutely gorgeous. And as a result, I've become pretty good friends with the, um, the San Diego River Park Foundation. And, uh, you know, I, I donate to them. I'm a member and they've, you know, given me codes to some of their gates and stuff. So I'm able to go into some of the properties and go, go on some hikes because they let me in and they know me. Um, they even gave me a helicopter ride once uh, going all the way to Mission Bay to um, Vulcan Mountain, pretty much following the river all the way. Wow. up. I was pretty amazing to see my favorite place from the seat of a helicopter. Uh, all the like hanging valleys of waterfalls coming off the side that, you know, are super hard to get to. And it was just, uh, it was very, very stunning. Another area of the county that I really love is the Agua Tibia Wilderness, which was the first wilderness area that was developed in San Diego. It's near Palomar Mountain, but 
I just love it so much. Derek has two peaks on his list there. They're Agua Tibia Mountain and Eagle Crag. I uh, maybe foolishly combined them together at a 26-mile day hike when I did it. And I've since redone both of them several times uh, separately and by different approaches. But like Derek said about the area of Cleveland National Forest uh, near Julian, this is also Cleveland National Forest, but it's closer to Temecula. And other than the beginning portions of the trail that's near a campground, you will see nobody and you will have amazing views of all the big boys to our north on a clear day. It's such a beautiful and wild and remote part of our county and it's awesome. That's great. So we talked about your favorite places. Now tell us your like, doesn't have to be your least favorite place because you can like all the places, but have you had one hike in particular that was calamitous or difficult or, or awful or you got filled with choya cactus head? Uh, there's a lot for me. I've, I looked like I got ripped to shreds. I don't like wearing hiking pants because I'm a yoga instructor, right? So I wear like spandex leggings and uh, you know, I try to be fashionable, which is not always good. Uh, the peak that I met Chris on, Sug Peak, and it's in Cleveland National Forest, but you approach it from Cuyamaca Rancho State Park. Uh, you have to cross under a couple barbed wire fences, and it's not private property. It's delineating the state park and the national forest. And uh, Manzanita, that beautiful red bark tree, is very strong and will rip you up. I also got poison oak on that trail uh, through my clothing, which was, was quite pleasant. Uh, that one, I said I would never do it again, and I've since done it five times, taking other people uh, up to show them the route. So that one was one of my original not favorite ones. Yeah, and I already talked about Square Top. Actually, for me, when I was redoing the challenge, I actually didn't want to do the mega popular ones again. So there's a probably about five peaks down here in San Diego that it's almost like Disneyland, you know, Mount Woodson, you know, it's on the six pack of peak list. And in the pre-COVID days, and even still in the COVID days, it was like a line at Disneyland to go out on that potato chip. And I turn it into a sunset hike. So the crowds are much, much less, you know, Coles Mountain, Iron Mountain. These are the ones that everyone goes to all the time. And that's the beauty of this challenge. Like it breaks you out of that little tiny bubble. So I was like, oh, I mean, that's why the Mission Trails Park Foundation created their five peak challenge. It's like there are other peaks in this little regional park that you can go to. You all don't have to descend on this one peak. Come go see the other ones. Um, but the, the one that probably Indian Head, you know, we mentioned that a little bit about me earlier. That was disappointing just because of the heat because I was close the first time finishing. And that's when I knew I wasn't going to finish in that round. And then I turned around and turned it differently. As a side note, Indian Head is an amazing, amazing experience in Anza Borrego. It kind of has everything. The first part of the trail is an easy paved pathway that any kid could go on up to a palm grove, which unfortunately uh, had a fire in, was that January, Chris, when we were out there? Yeah. And it's been since closed. Um, and then you get to go through the palms up a canyon so there's bouldering and then you reach this really big bowl and you have to climb up to a very steep ridge so it kind of has everything that you want to experience in the desert it's an am amazing hike i'm not sure when it will reopen though because of that fire that happened in january at the first palm grove interesting side note i had friends who were doing that hike and were up at the top when the fire started and had pictures That's and like, we're calling our friends. We're like, hey, like we need an alternate route out because that we like hiked through there to get here. It was a whole thing. It was actually really interesting. That's crazy. I saw that on the internet. Um, and actually Chris and I were hiking on one ridge over and we saw the smoke and then the helicopters. We're wondering if people were up there because it was prime desert season. Yep. But wow, that's crazy. Although technically there is another route up, but it's got some class three in it. So that they figured that out on the way down. They were like, oh, <laughs> I think that's the route that they took down. I mean, they have experience, thank goodness. Um, but yeah. That's good because that route is pretty exposed. Yeah. But I'm glad they got down safely. That was super scary. Yeah, my, my least favorite was doing uh, the high point to Palomar Mountain. 
Um, it, I hate I that about, hike too, dude. I think it's about 13 miles round trip, if I'm not yep. mistaken. Um, and it's basically just a fire road up. I guess there's a little bit of single track at the bottom, but um, I thought I was starting early enough. There was a nice marine layer, but the second I put my pack on, it all burnt away and the sun just started beating down and the flies were just crazy. And you're just on this big fire road going up and up and up and up. And um, yeah, it was just not my favorite hike. You know, maybe in the winter or maybe in a different season, it might be better, but um, uh, and I did have uh, a really nice moment once I got to the top. I kind of took a slightly different route back to the normal trail, and I found this nice little like meadow with a tree in it, and it was gorgeous, and I know hardly anybody ever goes to that particular spot. So there's some beauty there, but it's definitely not my favorite one. Yeah, and I'll have to say on High Point, Palomar High Point, that's actually one that I wasn't successful on my first attempt. I went out on a uh, weekend morning, like you described, it was cool, but then the clouds burned off and it was in the 90s. The first portion of the trail, Oak Grove, is a single track, but it's quite steep. I was miserable and I turned to my hiking partner. I'm like, I'm not having fun. And he's like, let's go to Temecula and go to a winery instead. So that's what we did. And then I went back again to complete it, I think uh, the next week. And I've since done it a few times. But yeah, it's uh, any road hike like that is kind of a, a, a trudge. Yeah, those are actually sort of, I would say, my least favorite collection are when I'm having to hike a, a fire road, and especially if it's an active road. So we have Black Mountain, which is almost behind my house, but there's Big Black Mountain, and that's an active road with cars. It's like, you know, hiking up Santiago, you know, same thing. You know, you got to worry about motorcycles and four by fours racing around a corner, not expecting to see a hiker. I'm like, I don't want that anxiety. I'm out here to not have anxiety of that nature. Well, it sounds like both uh, Susie and Chris, that both of you have are like the perfect spokespeople for what Derek's vision for the 100 Peak Challenge was. And that is you've, you've come to appreciate different parts of San Diego County that you didn't know even existed. And you've been able to see the beauty and even some of the toughest trails, you know, that there's always something special about that trail. Um, you may not be, it may not be your favorite. It may be, might not rise to the top of the list, but um, there's always something to take away from it and enjoy from it. And so um, great job. Yeah, you guys are even better than Derek at his own challenge. I mean, that's he still right. has you can, like, at least you've finished like, like 30 to go. go. You guys, <laughs> I completely agree. I think that's my favorite part about all of this is what this challenge was created and the person has finished it. That's like my my dream to just inspire other people to do this awesome thing. Maybe to inspire myself to finish it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess I can stop going on, you know, through hikes and backpacking trips and all that. And uh, just Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we like having you with us when we do them. So don't, so don't do that. Um, by the way, just side note, Derek, you just did a, a Mount Whitney trip with your daughter. Just you got a quick moment. You want to just tell us about that real quick? Yeah, it was, uh, my daughter is 12 years old. And when I was 12 years old, I was with the Boy Scouts and we did a nine day backpacking trip from uh, Rhodes End and Kings Canyon all the way to Mount Whitney portal, including Mount Whitney. And that was the craziest trip I had ever been on. It was the hardest thing I had ever done. And it's kind of like, it kind of made me into who I am today, being able to, to dig deep, experience that and endure that, but also enjoy that. And then she, since she started backpacking, her first backpack, my daughter's backpack, my daughter's first backpacking trip was at uh, age four. And ever since then, she's like, dad, I want to do Whitney at age 12 like you. So this year she turned 12 and I had gotten permits uh, in February and um, we went and did it. Uh, we did it from Horseshoe Meadow and kind of went around Rock Creek uh, through Crabtree, Guitar, and then up and over and down to Whitney Portal. Um, the thing, what was interesting was that the entire weather forecast was clear when we left civilization. But as we went there, every afternoon it started to rain. I'm like, well, this is normal Sierra rain. Uh, you know, it starts raining between two and three, and it'll go to a five, and it's not a big deal. Well, the morning of our summit, uh, we got up to uh, Muir Junction, 
uh, from Guitar Lake, and uh, the sky opened up at 10.30 in the morning uh, with hail, lightning, rain, and we got within about a mile of the summit, and I had to heartbreakingly tell my daughter it's not going to happen when she's 12 years old, even though she's been hoping to do it for a long time. So we both, you know, hugged each other, had a nice little cry on the trail and just turned around. And, um, you know, within minutes with the rain and the, the, the thunder and lightning, uh, she turns to me and says, we made the right call. This is the total right call. And it ended up raining, uh, raining on us for about seven hours all the way down to Whitney Portal. Uh, we were going to stay at uh, trail camp or outpost, but she's like, dad, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. So we ended up doing about 14 or 15 miles that day. And for a 12 year old to have that kind of strength and endurance to, to do that, she really had to dig deep and she really had to understand the fact that you don't always get what you want. And, um, you know, what started out as she's a little bit nervous about going on this trip to come on, dad, let's do this. I'm totally going to do this. I could see her grow every single day of that trip. We grew closer and, you know, we got to the car and, you know, just, I love you, dad. I love you, daughter. And it was just, it was an amazing bonding trip that we're so glad we did. That's a great, that's, awesome. that's a great memory. A great, yeah. uh, something that she'll take carry with her all throughout her life. Probably a great lesson, the turning around, you know what I mean? Like that's a good lesson as well. Like something she'll remember her whole life. There's more important things than just hiking a quarter mile and saying you were on top of that mountain, right? It's so much more about the experience and, you know, being out there. Yeah. And the thing is we're going down the 99 switchbacks. It's intermittent raining and hailing on us and there's thunder in the distance. She's like, okay, dad, next year, this is how we're going to do it. So she's already planning <laughs> on how to get back she's like we're gonna wake up earlier every morning we're gonna add an extra day at guitar lake just in case we can't summit the first day you know she's she's she wants this and you know it's it's great to see her not go i'm never hiking again because this thing you know was too hard it was like well this is how we're gonna do it next time and that was really just heartwarming to see pretty soon you'll have to hire her to do you know plan all your trips you know that's uh i mean she's clearly gonna finish the hunter challenge before you do so <laughs> clearly clearly i'm actually working on jeff's challenge at the moment Oh, cool. Yeah. Are you doing six or 18? Um, I'm, I've done nine, so I'm, I'm hoping for the 18, but we gotta, you know, we gotta wait for the two to reopen, hopefully after the fire. And I'm not doing queen lock until it's cool enough and you can actually do the summit legally. Right. So gotta wait on, on those because like Susie mentioned, we're also, we're working on the Sierra club 100 now and she's got three. I have 10, but they're Enzo Borrego. So it's kind of like, well, what do we do now? What am I going to do until late November, December? So, and I've been in the Sierra Nevada backpacking. I was on the the JMT last week, uh, Thousand Island Lake. It was so beautiful, but the smoke up there is pretty bad yeah. from the fires. Mm -hmm. Kind of scary. Yeah. Chris, I would recommend that even if you're able to do the other ones legally, you only do 17 and you skip Mount Wilson. So that's just my recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding off on Wilson as long as possible. <laughs> I think Mil Wilson gets a bad rap. I like Mount R Wilson, but I know a lot of people have other opinions. It's interesting that usually the first time people hike Mount Wilson, they say, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. I loved it. It's the second and third time they're like, oh my gosh, I hate this mountain. I never want to see it again. <laughs> I tease it all the time. I hate it all the time. One of my biggest problem with it is I just don't like a hard hike that when you get to the top, there are people that drove up there, right? So there are people that got in a car that was air conditioned and you know, the six hour hike that you did to get up straight up to get up there. And there's a whole bunch of people that in, you know, in their cars that drove up there. I, for me, that's like, okay, that's not really, and so the, you could and just the kids drive looking up there. At his mom and goes, why is this guy so smelly and dirty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, why not just drive up there and just go to the snack? bar and get a hot dog hey hey so derek uh the hundred peaks challenge where can people go to learn more about it and uh learn more about your adventures online yeah you can reach me at uh, everything 100 peaks so 100 peaks.com at 100 peaks on all social media yeah i i try to do a little storytelling on my blog and kind of make it a, a my personal journeys and you know there's backpacking trips there's car camping trips and there's other stuff there too just my ugly mugs might show up in the near future just, oh, just yeah. as a spoiler let's, alert let's yeah yeah, yeah as, <laughs> as they did last year yep how, how about you susie i don't have a website but i do have instagram and facebook 
my Instagram is at the Susie Kara, which is my name. And my Facebook is my name, Susie Kara. All right. And Chris, how about you? I know you've got a website. Yeah. So it's sdpeakbagger.com. So that's where all the trip reports and photos all live up there. I forget my Instagram handle. It's on there somewhere. And I also try to actively get back to like peakbagger.com. So the trip reports and things like that, all that data gets thrown back in there because so much of that information let me do this. I want to kind of like continue to pay it forward. And someone was saying it earlier, it's like, I think Saveri was saying, you know, that we were at taking Derek's spirit about the peaks, about this challenge. And I kind of feel like both Susie and I are almost like ambassadors for it now. We sort of like taken a little bit also as our own and feel like we, we have to nurture it and care for it and let it keep on growing. So that's, that's why I write all those things and take all those pictures and spend all the time afterwards. Well, that's awesome. Well, well thanks for coming on guys. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun uh, hearing about the challenge. I, I don't know that I'm inspired to, to, to take it on myself, but only because I'm living in Oregon right now. So uh, if I was down there, I'm sure I'd be uh, I'd be working on it. And I'm in North L.A. and I just, you know, for the environment, all that gas and burning, all that, that you know. So otherwise, I would totally do it. I would totally uh-huh. do it if it wasn't for the environment, you know. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for us. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Please make sure to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. On Instagram at almostthere underscore AP or Almost There Adventure Podcast on Facebook. You can find Severia at Adventure Us Women. That's Adventure US Women. Jeff at The SoCal Hiker or me at The Muir Project. Our title track, Almost There, is performed by Opus Orange and provided courtesy of Emoto. For more about this episode and all of our others, make sure to check out the show notes on our website, almostthereadventurepodcast.com. On our next episode in two weeks, we talk to journalist and author James Edward Mills, so make sure to check that out. And as always, thanks for listening. 